This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Grammy nominees announced we make our predictions on who's going to win and what are the albums that change your life here on the podcast. The most inflated food price in Canada will surprise you. We Most of us use it almost every day and it's different than it was before. Sylvain Charlebois, professor, director, agri-food analytics lab at Dalhousie University, the food professor, breaks down the price of food report, what is the good news, what is the bad news, and plus some tips on how you can save some money. And are you okay? with a lot of things, including partying on New Year's. This is the Shift Podcast. A simple question for you that might not be easy to answer. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. 877-399-9898. I would like you to text me the answer to this question or phone me if you have a story to go with why is the uh, an album might have changed your life. What is the best album? The album that changed your life. We want to hear your story. The number again, 877-399-9898. You want to text it in? That's cool. The album that changed your life. If you have a story as to why it changed your life, I want to hear that story uh, with your call here on The Shift. And we want to know this because the Grammy Award nominations are officially here for next for next year. Um Let's start, though, with albums here on The Shift uh, for us that changed your life. Now, there's a few for me, but front-to-back albums that changed my life. Okay, um, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to explain why did it change my life. Um, and I don't know. My sister actually got me uh, introduced uh, to the album, and it was one of those really strange things that I would never have found on my own. I was into hip hop. I was into, um, you know, dance music and all those things. This is one of the first albums that I listened to front to back over and over and over again while driving and singing in my car. This album changed my life because I started singing. To it. Now, I'm not a good singer. I, I'm a terrible singer, but I love to sing. And um, this is the very start of it. Now, you, if you know the album, you know this. 1992. Um, and I used to be able to sing the whole thing front to back, every single word, because that's what I do. Now, they'll recognize that. That's okay, because you probably will recognize this one. So for me, Bare Naked Ladies Gordon is an album that absolutely changed my life. There are a couple other ones, not very many other ones, but there are a couple other ones too that I can share later. But Ryan O'Donnell, is there an album that changed your life and why? Of course there is. Um, I'd say it's not my favorite album, but it is an album that like changed my look on the world, changed how I dressed, how I listened and enjoyed uh, music, and that is The Smiths' self-titled their debut mm-hmm. album, The Smiths. Okay. Um, I was going through a pretty difficult time in my life, getting out of a very abusive relationship, and I was trying to make sense of all of it. I was trying to understand why this was happening to me. I was trying to understand the mistakes that I made and the mistakes that other people made and the lyrics that Morrissey wrote and just this sort of indie but also very mature sound just really struck a chord with me especially on the song still ill 
um, that is my favorite song of all time. I have the lyrics from it tattooed on me. And, um, you know, if I, if I had to pick one album to listen to for the rest of my life, it would be that gladly on repeat. I mean, that those songs taught me lessons about myself that I didn't even understand. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't even asking for too. It was just kind of like a Eureka moment listening to the Smiths for the first time. Okay. Now I'm honestly asking this question without mocking the Swifts because I do know how, um, how important it is for you, but I, this is a legitimate question. The Smiths are sad. Yep. Did it connect for you in a place like this could be a lot worse because the Smiths are sad or did it connect for the place of, Oh, that was bad. This is, I got to get out of this kind of connection. It was that, but also a feeling of I'm not alone and this isn't exactly abnormal other people can feel like this and i'm not alone uh, that's wicked i'm i'm not alone that was that was a big feeling of it and also i just i loved the angst i loved the kind of uh teenage and young adult misery that was singing about it's it's just a and 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 the fact that despite the lyrics being so sad the instrumentation is so poppy and fun and the contrast mm. is just really weird. And like, I'm going to an 80s night on Saturday and they will be playing Smith songs that have incredibly depressing lyrics. And I'm going to dance as if I was dancing to Dancing Queen by ABBA. Like, it's just, that's mm. that's the Smith. So it's just a perfect storm of all of that for me. Okay. BK, album that changed your life. Uh, I can't narrow it down to five, to be honest, let alone really? one. Okay, pick one season then. Uh, we can talk about more than one. We'll just pick one for now. We'll talk about more in a bit. Okay. Um, I've the biggest one off the top is and probably listed at the top of the five, with the other four being just slightly below. Uh, would be Disintegration by The Cure from nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Full on album banger. Love every single song. Similar to the reasons that Ryan did. Um, album deals with a lot of themes like existentialism and uh, I relate to the artistry of expressing emotion even if it is sad because I think to be a whole person and to have the whole experience you can't cut off the negative so you can grow as an artist by expressing creatively the human experience and the human experience is everything. Whoa. Cool. Exactly. This is the fun part. (laughs) This is the cool part. See how albums hit all of us for wildly different reasons. So the question we have for you, it's a simple question, but it's not easy to answer. What album changed your life? 877-399-9898. So let's get into some of these Grammy nominations for the sake of uh, discussing some of these albums and songs that are super popular now and whether or not they are Grammy worthy, BK in a minute, because <laughs> he's got things to say. Um, we'll get to that. Um, which is interesting. Let's start with the list. I'm just going to, um, pick off a couple here. Um, not really get into so much of the songs, the, the record of the year. Record industry terms. Oh man. Hey. Mm-hmm. So ABBA has had quite the year because, you know, the, the avatars and the, the concert and the touring and all those things, but don't shut me down is in there. So a while ago, I heard the song of children's laughter. No, it's quiet. Okay. So 
just for the sake of um, for the sake of context here, this is um, this is some of the uh, the nominations for record of the year. There's Adele, Easy on Me, which was pretty wicked. I mean, someone did text in earlier and said, you know, Neil Young only has one Grammy and Beyonce's got twenty eight. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I'm kind of okay with that because I don't like dealing with music for that matter. But um, the um, and Beyonce is like next level talented. So, but is it this fine line of the commercialism versus the quality of the music? Back in the the statement of when rock and roll was ugly, right? And now music is just very very pretty. So. Uh, Beyonce, Break My Soul, is that Grammy-worthy, that little dance jam that's right there? Um, Brandy Carlisle is also on the list. Doja Cat is on the list. Harry Styles, as it was, is on the list. And uh, Kendrick Lamar, Lizzo, Mary J. Blige, and Steve Lacey, Bad Habit. Okay. Who belongs, who doesn't belong? Record of the year. And if you don't, we'll, we'll play some clips as we go here if you don't know the songs. Now, some of these artists, um, impactful. I think a Grammy should be the kind of song or album that challenges benchmarks in music or deeply connects as a, like a snapshot of what we're living in right now. So, BK, Grammys. Mm-hmm. Of this list, Abba, Adele, Beyonce, Brandy Carlisle, Doja Cat, Harry Styles, Kendrick Lamar, Lizzo, Mary J. Blige, and Steve Lacey. Who actually belongs? Because I think the belong list is shorter than the doesn't belong list. <sighs> it's tough to say. Um, I have not listened in depthly to any of them. So okay, I can't. Well, but that's telling, though. Yeah, that's t- that's telling, right? I can't say like I say, Beyonce's super successful. However, even that new song, it, it's largely a sample of an older song, right? So I don't even know. Uh, is, is she just got the name recognition now? Like, is it just because she's so popular that she can drop anything and it's going to get well, massive play? Taylor and- Swift sold two million concert tickets and crashed. The Ticketmaster system and all those things, does that mean she gets a Grammy because she's that popular, wow. right? Like Judging by how the Grammys are now, like when I look back, I looked back at 99 and 89, and the people on that list, certainly a larger diversity of people who were not the top-selling artists those years, right. very obviously, and now it just yep. seems to be these people who are the top-selling artists. And even with that, like that criteria of the top selling artists, like I have this stat here that I'm just reading now. It's like the annual sales rate of albums is falling 9% a year. Like people aren't even buying albums anymore. It just seems like the fat cats in the record industry right now are trying to squeeze every last bit out of it that they can. Well, that's the thing, right? The system is no longer designed for albums. It's for the hottest single, hottest marketing, hottest single, hottest marketing. This is Mary J. Blige, by the way. Um, Ryan, what do you see here of this list? Well, I'll tell you It is telling that BK doesn't know the artist. This is good. It's because he's not on TikTok. Every single one of these songs went mega viral on TikTok. Every sing- almost every single one of them. That's 15 and uh, th- that that's where music is being discovered. 
that's where it's yes but that's where music is being discovered and these are incredibly marketed towards younger people yeah but you know what Um, else is being discovered on chick knock sound effects of a dog farting yeah like music it's just such a massive platform and people are finding this the songs in there and using them in their videos and look some of them are great that lizzo song about damn time is a bop um harry's as it was is okay it's it's such a huge song i think it's fine i don't think it's that great uh beyonce song's fun this song is so big that it's almost destroyed steve lacy's career because people only know him for the song um so i kind of feel bad for him the Kendrick Lamar song, The Hard Part 5, is the best written song of the year. That song is but, a masterpiece. It is a poetic jam. Uh, is it the poet? It, it, like, I would say it's just an f- outstanding piece of music. Uh, the ABBA record, I don't I don't get it. I, no, I've listened to Voyage. Nope. It's okay. It's just kind of like, oh, ABBA's back. Yeah, but like but nobody's going to go not. out of their way to listen to Voyage over anything else nope. ABBA has done. It's no. not bad. It's just, you know, it's not the record of the year. So well, this is Grammys. Like of all the songs and the, the hundreds of thousands of songs a month that get added onto like Spotify and all these places. Okay, here's where it goes. ABBA, no. Adele, yes. Beyonce for this song, no. Brandy Carlisle, quite possibly because of the kind of work that Brandy Carlisle has been doing on this album and the performance and everything else with it. Doja Cat, to me, absolutely. Harry Styles, mm-hmm. I think absolutely, but maybe not that song. Um, Kendrick Lamar, yes. Lizzo, yes. Mary J. Blige, yes. And Steve Lacey, as again, that's a benchmark song. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, like, you can't be like, well, ABBA's got music. They belong there. So this is the catch. And if and if Brennan Kelly, as a music guy, doesn't know all the singles... Now, Brennan doesn't listen to mainstream pop radio or anything all the time, stuff like that. I mean, let's call it for what it is. But um, it doesn't mean that... That's, that's a good indicator. It's like when I watch the Oscars... And some of these movie award shows, and I have no idea who some of these people are <laughs> or movies. Like, like, neither do I. <laughs> and I'm a millennial man. Like, neither do I. Some of it is like, wait, who? Mm-hmm. Well, even okay. that Steve Lacey "Bad Habit" that you just played, I can't. I don't I think I've heard it before. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's disturbing to me that these songs are all on TikTok. Okay, so album of the year, which would be the full set, and not many people do albums, very much the same list. Uh, ABBA, Adele, Bad Bunny. Uh, Bad Bunny's Spanish, by the way. Uh, Bad Bunny's done a great, a ton of great things at bringing Spanish music into English mainstream. Beyonce's Renaissance? No way, man. Brandy Carlisle? Yes, I would put that there. Coldplay? No, thank you. Uh, Harry Styles, Harry's House belongs there. Kendrick Lamar belongs there. Lizzo belongs there. Mary J. Blige is beautiful music, and it's fantastic. Um, I would say she's borderline for this. But, um, you know, again, marketing. She's been doing all kinds of acting and all those things, too, right? So this is the stuff that gets me. What is the album that, for you, that changed your life? What's your story? 877-399-9898. We have Song of the Year and more that we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. Uh, the long There's a, such a long list of all of the, the Grammys and all these things, and it's a few months away. So of these, though, we're going to have to pick one each and put it in our little envelope and make our guesses. Okay? So... Let's do that now. Of what we have here, record of the year, BK, what's your guess? Um, record of the year? Um, hmm. Uh, between maybe 
Adele and Kendrick Lamar. I'll go with Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, right. Um, I think they're going to give it to Lizzo for about damn time. I would agree with you. I think it's going to Lizzo yeah. or my backup for the sake of being different and not choosing the same because Ryan beat me to it. I'm going to say Harry Styles. Okay. Okay. Album of the year. Uh, we have Abba, Adele, Bad Bunny, Beyonce, Brandy Carlisle, Coldplay, Harry Styles, Kendrick Lamar, Lizzo, and Mary J. Blige. Um, I feel good. I'm going to stick with Kendrick Lamar because mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to stick be. with someone I feel is a good artist. Yeah, good poet. Yeah, and a great poet. Uh, that's definitely the best album on that list. However, I, they never give the best album yep. the best award. They never. Mm-hmm. So I think the safest bet would be Adele with 30 which is a pretty decent album it's got some Good great album. songs on it but mm-hmm. i w- yeah i think they're gonna go with adele on that i think they go lizzo on this one okay yeah special again harry styles maybe hard to decide okay song of the year this is the tricky Let's back one to these quickly yeah. yeah adele beyonce bonnie Raitt, dj khaled Ugh. um God, that's terrible. Uh, Gail, A, B, C, D, E, F, U, Harry Styles, as it was, Kendrick Lamar, The Heart, um, Lizzo, About Damn Time, Steve Lacey, Bad Habit, Taylor Swift, All Too Well, the 10-minute version. Come on. The 10-minute version as Song the, of the Year? Yeah, that's the one that went mega viral because of the short film attached to it. It's very much a Swifty. If you're a Swifty, a big fan of Taylor Swift, yeah, but, like you watched that 500 times this year. You can't grab a Good pop song. song all these you can't put gail a b c d e f u on here which is a very profane not positive can't stand it song and then say that that qualifies for song of the year and then the short film from taylor swift are even in the same category yeah it's bizarre it that they put that in there it's bizarre it be. that that song is in there <laughs> neither of them it's a typical be. pop song that when you hear it you're like oh god really kind of pop song and i like pop songs Okay, so what's your pick? Uh, Ryan O'Donnell, you go first this time. Okay, pick. Okay, so song of the year. I think they're this. They're going to pick a song that you know kind of represents the year. And on this list, there are two that I think I heard more than anything else, and that's Harry Styles' "As It Was" and Lizzo's "About Damn Time." For the amount. And for what it is, I'm going to guess they're going to actually give it to Harry Styles on this one. I think it's going to be as it was. That's my that's my guess. My favorite song right. on that list is The Heart Part 5, for sure, by Kendrick Lamar. But I, my guess is as it was. We want to say goodnight to you. Yeah, this one. Okay, BK, what is your, uh, what's your song of the year for the Grammys? This is your big guess. We're going we're gonna to yeah. reveal these later on. So if, you're, if we're listening to this back after it's all done... Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's like a time machine. And time machine. Uh, okay, so uh, you went with Harry Styles, then I'll go with Lizzo. Um, about damn time, a song I'm vaguely familiar with. But uh, oh, this is good though. You, you basically stole mine. I think this is the most impactful song of the year. It's a great. Song. It's kind of a carryover from last year, right? Is that bitch a clock? Yeah, it's thick Okay, it's so really fun. <laughs> It's a fun song. I love her attitude. Yeah. And she's basically taken the flute and turned it into pop music. It's wicked. Yeah. Actually, yeah. if you want to watch um, David Letterman's show, he does an interview with Lizzo. It's one of the best interviews he's ever done. And the two of them together are priceless and hilarious. Love it. 
Okay, Adele, Beyonce, Bonnie Ray, DJ Khaled. Come on, get out of here. You don't get out of like there. you're terrible. God you don't belong did. here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gail, Harry Styles, Kendrick Lamar, Lizzo, Steve Lacey, and Taylor Swift. I think Song of the Year is it's probably going to go to Adele. Um, might go to Steve Lacey if they do an upset. Uh, yeah, for the uh, the actual streaming numbers on this, which I'll give it to you, that's uh, absolutely insane. That song has four. It came out earlier this year, and it already has 402 million streams on Spotify. Yeah, staggering. Let us know. An album that changed your life for whatever reason, good, bad, ugly. You can have more than one. Just ask you to pick one. And if you have a story to share with it, please do call it in. You want to text it in. That works, too. We have a whole bunch here uh, for sure. Dreamboat, Annie by Heart, changed my life by challenging me to get a vocal coach and sing professionally. My friends encouraged me because I sounded spot on to Annie Wilson, so I did get a full-time vocal coach and sold my CD uh, and cassette singles in stores throughout the 80s to the mid-2000s. Very cool. Uh, it's Catherine. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Great work. That's inspiring, right? What a great album, too, by the way. What album changed your life here on The Shift? We're inspired by the Grammys and the Grammy and nominees and announcements. Um, music inspiration comes from all kinds of different places. So we, uh, you know, we get to share that. You need to share that because it's so cool that we do. Another text says, Jesus Christ Superstar live theater versions before the movie turned major religious events into a powerful historical moment for me. Just played it last week. Remember it all but three words after four decades. Uh, seeing it, uh, musical version Saturday with the family, Dave and Richmond. Very cool, Dave. Love it. Great album and uh, great inspiration there for your story, too. 877-399-9898. What album changed your life? Van Halen. One album eruption blew my mind. Okay, now that's a big one. Van Halen um, eruption. That was like a... Now, BK, this is, this is you know, this was a shift, right? The... Um, that everything that came from from that um you know really shifted so much music that was already there and um at a time when it wasn't even cool to rock out that way van halen was rocking out that way cuz kind of new wave was sort of the thing and there they were crunching away on guitars yeah it was an eruption you know it was a shift a change the tectonic plates changed i guess you will say in music right Mm-hmm. An eruption, I get volcano. That. Oh. Uh, very cool. I like it. So this is uh, this is awesome. So what is the album that inspired you, changed your life? Um, going back in time to that particular album, by the way, like Van Halen, nineteen eighty four, was you know that was Panama, Jump, well nineteen eighty four, Hot for Teacher. You know you can't you really can't go wrong with some of these. They immediately take you back. Which, by the way, Jump is probably the most streamed off of this album. Uh, this one comes in second. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Makes me want to grow my hair long. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. Where's your leather jacket? Albums that changed your life. Super Tramp, Breakfast in America. Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell from John. Um, 
Yeah, this is super fantastic. I love this. Troy from Toronto here. Love the great show. Love the show and the great topic. Oh, very cool. Thank you very much. Um, also on here. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Oh, this is a good one. Um, of music that helped me emotionally, psychologically, album that changed your life during rough times many years ago, Angry Chick Music, especially Melissa Etheridge. Yeah. No, I, I have a soft spot for certain of that generation. Not so much Melissa Etheridge, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of PJ Harvey. I love mm. Bjork. I love Tori Amos, Kate yeah, Bush. Yeah, Bjork was good. All good. All of those uh, Women who got into the real, again, a lot like the cure, um, the blood and guts of life and relationships. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Well, it was really grounded. It was very real, right? And that was some of the first times Alanis Morissette was one of the first ones who, you know, really brought that to mainstream pop was that real life look at things that were going on. See, when we talk about the these Grammy albums and... There's not many on this list of, of Grammy nominees that fit that bill that you're talking about, right? Change the benchmark of music, changing the storytelling, changing the styles of music, or really getting into the nitty gritty of what life looks like. And it, so if we talk about all these things that have, that people have suggested, Grammy winners or not, and there's still more coming in, Matt Goodband's Beautiful Midnight, absolutely, that was great. Not Grammy worthy, but Juno worthy. Um, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. Dave from North Carolina sends that one. Abbey Road Beatles, my all-time favorite. Like these are out, al- these are mega albums. And if we, all these ones that we've mentioned here, and then we go into this. Abba's Voyage. Mm, nope. Bad Bunny, maybe. Um, just cause of the impact he's had, but still, nope. Beyonce's Renaissance, nope. Blandy Carlisle, maybe. Coldplay, definitely not. Harry Styles, yes. Kendrick, yes. Lizzo, yes. Mary J. Blige, no. Um, for changing culture. Yeah. They don't stand up. No. And I would say that it's unfortunate because, uh, to throw back to those previous artists, there are artists now that are releasing similar music, um, similar in thematic, anyway, music. Um, like, I would even say artists like Florence and the Machine, Billie Eilish, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, both. Halsey. There's all kinds yeah. of... Uh, St. Vincent's another great female artist. Um, mm-hmm. They're all releasing stuff that is in impactful, the vein of some of the... Music. Yeah, impactful music in the vein of some of those previous artists mentioned. So, uh, Well, and Pink would be another one, right? Pink, like everything yeah. Pink has done. Um, you know, I mean, you talk about people that take a stand for what they believe in. Um, uh, Janobi in Vancouver, Pink Floyd, The Wall. That was an album that changed. A Bad Hair Day by a Weird Al. I mean, why not? I mean, that, that was a, that was a wicked album. Like you're taking parody to the next level, right? The videos are great too. Derek in Winnipeg says skinny puppy, the process. Nice. Yeah. yeah that's another now, one. Now that's not quite metal in the no. punky punks, but, um, Ryan takes exception to what is metal in the Grammys because oh. there's been crossover. There's been so much crossover yeah. in some of these different genres of music that, that we see here. I don't understand why they even bother because the metal acts that they are celebrating at the Grammys, half of them aren't metal. They're 
punk or alternative rock. I'll give you an example. So best metal performance. They don't even have best metal album. They have best rock album. Let's just talk about metal. So we have Ghost, Call Me Little Sunshine. I don't like Ghost, but they're a metal band. Megadeth will be back. I didn't like the album, but Megadeth, metal band, iconic. Mm -hmm. And then we have Muse. Muse is an alternative rock band. Um, well, there's so much electronic to Muse. That's the part yeah. that gets me. I don't. I don't agree with you with the with the alt thing not qualifying them, but I I would uh, raise it to a one more band. No, I know, there's... but the but genres change over time. That's the thing, and like what was rock in the '90s is not rock in the 2000s because then that was new metal, and then it turned into all kinds of things. So r- music does change over time. But to your point, though, is that there's so much more electronic. I don't think that there's in metal today. Sure, there's sequencing and all those things, but it's not as electronic as that. That's what disqualifies them. If I found them in a dance category, I would almost find that in some for some songs more appropriate. Uh, in electronic yeah, category. I, yeah, it's it's a weird. Uh, th- it's a weird choice. Then we have Ozzy's new song, which is on there, and then Turnstile, which are not metal. But um, Iron Maiden had an album. Uh, there's also uh, the Blind Blind Guardian. They are incredible. They put out a fantastic album this year. They have a diehard, massive fan base. Uh, Sabaton, one of the biggest metal acts in the world, they had an album this year. Ramstein had an album this year. Mm, Proper nice. metal wow. bands. And even if you're not going to give the award to them, why would you settle for them? It's probably just so that recognizable bands are in the category. But I just don't know why they're bothering if they're not going to really properly represent metal. It's weird. Okay. Um, I like this uh, text that comes in here. It says, uh, I was going to text you and give the album name that changed my life, but as soon as you said Harry Styles for a Grammy, well, I'm never going to talk music with you, Shane, because it's obvious you don't know nothing about music. Oof. Um, Definitely. Uh, weren't you, uh, didn't you, uh, put Carly Rae Jepsen on the radio? Wasn't that you? I did. First, first one. Yeah. So Nickel, yeah. Nickelback too. Yeah. Nickelback too. Well, me. some people might come at you for that one, but, for that um, one. You, I think you know the industry a little bit better. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> like I yeah, might be giving you credit for. That's funny. I own a music consulting business. Not that I'm the be all end all, but that's the thing. That's the thing about music. You know music when you understand how it flows differently for other people. Uh, being able to hear what's commercially viable is totally different than what's good music, without a doubt. Um, and that's the cool part, is that you know music better when you realize that it's very fluid. This is The Shift Podcast. The numbers are out. Food inflation is down. Not much. But it's down. I'm trying to be positive. Sylvain Charlebois is here uh, with Dalhousie. Um, he's the food professor. And uh, yeah, so I mean, this is positive news, Sylvain. We wanted to touch base and find out, get, get your thoughts on this because the numbers are out. Now, when we say down, we're, we're talking down month over month, right? Because year over year, we're still up. Is that how that works? Yeah, well, food inflation is basically a, a, a metric which assesses how much prices are increasing. So from 10.3 to 10.1 means that prices are still increasing, but not at the same pace, basically. Right. So, so, but but it is it is a good sign. I mean, prices are still going up, but, but it is a good sign. I actually thought that uh, that numbers today were reassuring. It's the first time we saw the the rate drop in more than a year. So, right. the, the problem that we have, Shane, is that. The food inflation rate has exceeded the general inflation rate for 
well over a year now. So mm-hmm. that's why you got some sticker shockers out there. So you're you're as a consumer, you you go out and buy clothing, buy all sorts of things, and then you go to a grocery store. Things are still crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of people feel they're not getting a break. Well, you had seen, um, yeah, and it does feel like you're not getting a break. That's for sure. I mean, you go to the store, you have four things in your basket, and it's like fifty four dollars. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, now. Okay, stability, let's just take that as good, although I struggle with it, Sylvain. That's kind of like being excited that in Ottawa, the price of diesel was two thirty nine a liter um, when you know I paid two fifty in Montreal. So that's like being excited that it's down 20 cents, but it's still <laughs> triple what it's supposed to be, right? So it's, it's positive, but I'm not comfortable with it. What are you seeing? Well, if you clean up the data, okay, so for example – uh, the the items that has increased the most in the last month, margarine. Why? Like, seriously, forty percent. But why? Yeah. Well, I think it's a commodity play. I think it's 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 Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine is all over that one because you need you need grains to make uh, margarine. Really? The other uh, items. Uh, lettuce, lettuce is up thirty percent. I think we all know what's going on because everyone's going crazy with lettuce right well, now. I mean, but there is no lettuce anywhere, right? Like there, you can't seem to. Yeah, get it. I, I, I had Shane. I had no idea Canadians actually cared so much about lettuce. Yeah, I have to tell you, I've I've given ten interviews today on lettuce, and I said I can't imagine how this country would look like without bacon. Right? No kidding. Over the top. Um, <laughs> or beer. So, could you so, imagine? Oh my God! Well, then let's not let's not set that, those in motion. We're gonna not create the <laughs> no jinx on that one. Okay, so um, but lettuce but, is, lettuce is out, so that's that price prices have increased. What is the problem with lettuce? California. Okay. Yeah, California. the uh, Salinas Valley was very dry, weakened plants. A virus came in, destroyed all crops, most crops. Farmers don't have anything to sell. And couldn't export anything uh, outside California into different markets, including Canada. That's wow. basically it. And for mm. about a month now, we knew about it. Uh, we also know that it's not going to last. I mean, probably in December, we'll start buying from Arizona, from Mexico. And so uh, don't despair, Shane. You will get your dose of leafy greens for the holidays. Oh, that's good. I feel much better. I feel much better now. Okay, so what else are we seeing? You said breaking down the data into other places that can be impacting. I mean, if margin's up 40%, that must have a massive impact on the data too. What what are some highlights and what are some of the the oopses that are in there still? I'd say that... That really generally speaking, when you look at dairy meat, for example, those are other major protein categories, five, seven, eight percent. You know, it's not too bad. It's not mm-hmm. too bad. So if you want to be overly dramatic, you'll look at lettuce, you'll look at margarine, you'll look at pasta, you'll look at bakery. Bakery is up 16%. Crazy. Those are crazy numbers. They're skewing what I would call this reality where trying to get to at the grocery store i think uh, numbers are scaring people now uh, but i don't think the situation is as scary as say three four months ago i i may, maybe i'm over optimistic mm-hmm. but i actually do think things aren't aren't that bad i think people are just number scared right now 
Yeah. Well, you also have a PhD, so I figure that probably carries a little weight in this. Um, so I think you get credit for that. I try to be as rational as possible. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I think that we've also lost context with what is okay. I mean, through the course of the last two and a half years here, we have really seemed to have lost context with what the old world was. You know, we always, I hate this when they say the new normal drives me crazy. Um, cause that just means it's just normal because normal is yeah. normal. Um, but you know, it is possible, Sylvia, that we've just lost all context to how much things should cost, right? That's Aside it. from complaining and saying it's uphill both ways up to my waist in snow on my way to school, that's what we all start to sound like, but we don't know what it was like. That's true. I mean, people couldn't care less that in the U.S. right now, the food inflation rate is almost 11%, which is basically almost a, a point more than us uh people won't care because they're still paying more at the grocery store they don't they won't care that within the g7 we had the third lowest food inflation rate uh right now but because people are paying more so but i do i do think it's important to keep things in perspective as much as possible this is a global phenomena this is not about pointing fingers at politicians or companies or finding a scapegoat somewhere. Uh, it, this is a global phenomena. And so there's, there's, I mean, there are things we can do, but generally speaking, I actually think, I honestly think the Canadians are well served by, by the industry we have. You can question some of the, some of the monetary policies that we've seen in recent years, the wow. spending as well. I, I, I absolutely get that. Yeah. But totally. at the end of the day, uh, we're doing, Okay, there's there are there's probably twenty five percent of the population that uh, that their their quality of life has been severely compromised by food inflation, no doubt. Right now, twenty five percent of of our population are skipping meals, they're buying less food because they don't have a choice. Right. Just, and that's the reality. So we have to think about food banks. We have to think about you know different places that can be there for the twenty five percent suffering. Well, we need to take that. I call it collapsing. We can't collapse your, um, not yours, um, a, Can- a Canadian's displeasure in the performance, in the monetary policy performance of this government versus what is going on inside grocery. And I think that became telling with this investigation thing that just happened. There was an exchange that uh, you and I had responded to somebody on Twitter where this person had, about banks and profits in banks when banks are profiting <laughs> off the charts right now and making all kinds of money and yet nobody's looking into banks and profiteering and someone had said well banks keep us safe blah 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 i'm like banks don't keep us safe banks are the ones <laughs> that need regulations because they destroy things with greed and, and um and profiteering that's my opinion not not so vans he can agree if he wants but the but banks well, I mean, literally banks, banks transfer assets that's all they do they don't create value no they don't create nothing they don't, Although, they don't well, create anything. You know what they create is more fees. I can tell you that much. Um, but they, <laughs> so like the the finance part of it is so separate from the grocery part. And this investigation work seems to look like the grocery stores have done okay through all this. Yeah, they, they have. And, and I'll be honest with you, Shane. I, 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 Shane, I, I'm really pumped today because I actually went through uh, results, financial results for uh, for both Loblaw and, and Metro. 
I have to tell you, I, I and I've been in. We've been in discussion with Metro, with uh, Empire, with Loblaws about transparency and re, and trying to reassure the game public, making the accounting behind the numbers more transparent. Telling people this is how much money we're making when we sell food, when we sell drugs, when we sell right. clothing, when we sell lipstick. That's what they did today. If you yeah. if you look at the their final financial statements they've actually separated food sales for the first time i thought that was really bold i mean they they're under a lot of pressure because of what's happening in parliament with the competition bureau yep. but they're actually providing more transparency now which is really refreshing well i find that very refreshing i mean i'm you know i'm a shameless capitalist in all of this and these are private enterprise they're taking on a lot of risk i struggle but, but it's, though but it's hard to balance competitiveness with transparency right. and, well, I and this think is such an essential there. service right yeah. i mean that's the thing it's such an essential service and i think that when you take on it's kind of like an airline you know you can take on the job of moving people around the country but with that you have to take on the safety of the people it's the same thing with food and um the part that i i I would like to see broken out and this is probably too much information is we see that the other end of it, while we only made this much money this month or, or this, this year, things like assets of the kinds of business things, like, by the way, we also bought a bunch of real estate, therefore our profits are down. Like there's all kinds of things that get mixed in there. And we have to ride that fine line with these grocery companies exactly. of saying, you know, the grocery performance is different than, um, let me tell you, nobody's selling Tylenol right now, but um, there's, none the grocery, <laughs> there's none left. Um, the grocery performance is different than, by the way, we sold 37 toasters, right? And yeah. and we also need to go, okay, well, the business of grocery, because they, I don't know, bought X hectares of land for new grocery stores, um, good for them for having that business. But that shouldn't, we should never look at that part of that should never mask the food part. And I, I don't know, in a capitalist world that I support, I don't know how we get through that part. I mean, to say that you made 37 cents on on carrots today, I, maybe that's what it is. But you figure it's headed in the right direction, hey? I think so. I mean, like just today, going back to to to, to Loblaw numbers, uh, for example, so uh, food sales grew 6.8%. That's, that's enough information for me. Why? Because I know they're not – they're not riding the inflation wave because inflation is is above ten percent. Right. That's all I need to know. That's right. I don't want to know how much they're making off carrots. Oh, well, that makes turnips. sense, right? Because if, yeah. if if inflation's up ten percent, prices are up ten percent, then they should see a ten percent increase in sales. Yeah, and 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 so if, for example, inflation is at ten percent and they're making fifteen percent, I would I would I would question what's going on there. I mean. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I would dig in deeper. I would want to dig dig in deeper into the numbers, but I got the information I wanted today, and and I was satisfied. This is cool. I uh, although you do you remind me, I'm going to get political again. Sorry, Sylvia. Uh, you uh, <laughs> it's your show, not mine. Uh, I have to yeah, apologize. <laughs> I know, but you're. I don't want to put you in a pickle. Um, the um, this is like when the governments, the federal government says, hey, we have a surplus right now. Of course you do, because inflation's 10%. You should actually have a 10% surplus right now, because you're actually getting 10% more tax on everything. 
Um, you, you should know, have so a the, balanced budget like by this year, not 2055. Well, yeah. that, that could be a thing, right? Just saying. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let's let's take this back into the, the Charlebois uh, household, the Hewitt house here. You know, what are you seeing for you as you go through this and you go buy groceries? I mean, you've got kids, you, you have a family, uh, so do I. And going, I we made... Um, we, we made a couple of dishes for Melanie's parents this weekend. We made like a ginger beef and a beef and broccoli, rice, some dumplings, stuff like that. Yeah. Went to, um, went to the Fresh Coast store, could not get red peppers. Go to the independent grocer. That's just this mountain of beautiful red peppers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it, there is disparity between the, the, the brands and there is disparity in the pricing. And it was really expensive to buy you know the processed dumplings and spring rolls were were the cheapest part and getting the broccoli and the peppers and the beef was very expensive to make a nice simple meal for four people yeah the best what are you seeing the the best strategy right now to be honest is to actually go uh and let's say you you only have the time to go to one place a week okay let's and, and and that's the case for most Canadians, right? You, you don't have the time. Uh, I I go to a different place. I would rotate between two, at least two or three locations every week. You go to a different location, and then you get educated about market conditions. And 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 y'all you you'll be shocked by how much things change every single day. Prices change, so you may so you walked in, you saw peppers being overpriced, beef as well. If you want it, if you were gone back the next day, you probably would have seen a different a different uh, scenario because that's how things are right now. Mm-hmm. And because may, maybe you went on a Saturday, and Saturdays are you, you that's you don't want to go at the grocery store on a Saturday because that's mm-hmm. that's when they make their money. Uh, if you go on Monday or Tuesday, you're have, you have a good chance in getting some really interesting sales. So if you get more strategic about where you go, when you go, uh, in a disciplined way, I think you'll save some money. That's interesting. I I, I noticed that when you go into the meat counter and you pick up oh. your stew meat or whatever, and you could have, if you dig through the packages, you can see two or three different price per kilograms on, oh, on the, on the sticker absolutely. and it's all in the yeah. same rack and it might even have almost the same best before date on it. It just, that's just packed on a different day. There, there is a myth also. People tend to believe that big box stores will offer better prices. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, some small specialty stores like uh, produce stores or even butchers, uh, sometimes they'll offer you some really, really good deals. Because uh, you know you have to work for it. You have to go in different places just to buy one or two things. But they'll reward you for it by giving you a good deal because they want your back. They want your business back. And so those are the things that people are starting to realize slowly uh, as they're trying to uh, you know, navigate through this food inflation storm we're in right now. That's fascinating. I, um, I did learn that when uh, years ago I was you know, stacking groceries on pallets in a food warehouse. I mean, there were days that there were order screw ups and too much of something. And those warehouses were discounting to the grocery stores to get it out. So, I mean, it even goes to the next level of warehousing and inventory control where somebody has too much and then the store can either benefit from that and put it on sale and flush out a ton 
or they can just, you know, make the money and take the profit if they're going to do it anyway. So that's fascinating. So, uh, Sylvan, okay, personally, when you go and you're running the grocery store, you switch from store to store just to see what's going on, a little bit of research. Am I I being followed? Is that what you're asking? No. (laughs) I was going to say, do you you expense that? Where did you get that deal? Where did you get that deal? Yeah, did you expense those miles? (laughs) You're the food professor. Um, I have to say, it does happen. My wife actually, because sometimes I go to the grocery store with my wife and people actually – will stop me and say, hey, look at the deal I just got at the meat counter. You know, they're, oh, really? Hey? They're so proud. So excited. That's really funny. Well, it's, it's nice to see people engaged on the – it's a little weird, but it's nice to see people engaged oh, on the, I, on the I price too, right? I love that stuff. Absolutely. I love it. What do you decide on if you – because I know for me, if I'm, if I'm thinking, okay, well, I've got to get peppers, I'm probably going to go to – like Walmart for me always has – you know, lots of peppers around, lots of inventory around. If I want to get apples and things like that, I don't worry about going anywhere. I'll just go to the Save-On or the co-op or maybe even just a Costco. So I use those as determining factors where my trip's going to lead me today. Uh, what are the ones for you that you guys do in your family? Is there one particular food group that you like, hey, by the way, we need dairy. Let's go here. Uh, meat. Yeah. We, we have a meat place for sure. Uh, we have an online seafood place and for produce, we do have a place, a special place as well. We yeah. don't go there every week cause it's, it's a gong show. I mean, these places, you understand these places are small. Yeah. If you're claustrophobic, forget it. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're, it's like a labyrinth. It's like a maze filled with stuff. Yeah. And there's only one lane, you know, yeah. and you have to bump it to people all the time. It's not designed to have a nice experience. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> not a pretty shopping you experience fight, with a s- You got to fight your of- way through the crowd to get to the corn you want or, right. or the beef you want. And and that's – so you, we do that once every couple of weeks, but that's it. Costco, I mean, Costco, my goodness, that place is a zoo. It's a zoo right Anytime. now. Anytime there's there's it's always packed. Yeah, yeah, it's it is absolutely packed all the time, always, and it's it's amazing to see. And just a couple of weeks, just to your point, a couple of days ago, I was uh, there and I stopped and I kind of went back towards the dairy. There's always the dairy fridge in the back, and I turned and I looked out over the produce. So there's the produce, and then there's all the Christmas chocolate, and then there's the Christmas lights and Christmas presents, sort of the order of things. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was just this massive sea of people, and I thought, <laughs> wow, you know, a year ago this was so not the case. I know, it's fascinating. Oh yeah, no. So, like I said, I mean, you gotta. The, the the other advantage that people have now that may maybe they don't they don't realize is that the food market is now way more virtual. Many people sell online. Many companies sell online, so you can you can actually know what the fair value of a certain product is before you leave your house. Mm-hmm. So if you go to a store and you have your list and prices, if that price doesn't match the price on your list, just walk away. Just walk away yeah. and wait until next week. Yeah, yeah. That's you it. don't need it. And the Flip app is awesome too. I love the Flip app. So that's a great yeah. one for that. All right. Well, it's thanks for all this one. info. And uh, thanks for helping us out to understand the food and where it's going and, and what's happening. And um, and I'll let you go back now to your, uh, to your family. Thanks for sharing your time with me. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, Shane. Take care. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with New Year's? New Year's Eve, in fact. Mm. New Year's, New Year's rocks. I used to host really good New Year's Eve parties, yes. and then I started just going 
to like my favorite bar, which has an amazing New Year's party. And I have not celebrated New Year's since 2019 because COVID. And then I had COVID the next year. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that this New Year's Eve I can celebrate uh-huh. it like I used to, um, which is uh, loudly. I'll put it that way. Okay, well, BK is the party animal of the group, so yeah, I'm curious to easily. hear his thoughts. Yeah. Uh, as a child, New Year's was always really exciting. It was really yeah. exciting and fun. You got to stay up late and watch the yep. ball drop and all that stuff. But as I've gotten older, I've either had jobs where I've had to work on New Year's or work the next day. So it's kind of lost its luster. I will say that the first shift show I ever worked was New Year's Eve with John Jang mm-hmm. and Ryan, and I had no idea what I was doing. But I worked it's that fun. was in the middle yeah. of COVID in, in 2020, yeah. and then a lot of times I have like to have to be in the next morning, so it's just like another right. night to me. Yeah, there's been a few of those. I've had a few of those over the days because then I also it's the opportunity because if my kids are with their mom, then I'm like, well, I have a chance to make you know extra money tomorrow, kind of thing. Um, I love the notion of New Year's, the gathering, the fun, the celebrate the year. I feel like, and I uh, shouldn't be surprised because Shane thinks about this way too much and gets too deeply philosophical about it, but I feel like we sort of miss the point about New Year's. Um, I struggle with that, you know, we, people look at New Year's like, yes, it's a fresh start. And I, I don't think we look at it that way. I, I think that we get our lens backwards. I think we need to turn around. I think every day, every moment is a fresh start. Like we don't need New Year's to celebrate. It's a new day. It's a new season. I think it's a time to turn around and look at, look where we've come from, from the last year. Like I, I feel like New Year's mm-hmm. celebrated as gratitude. Like, man, we did it. Or in some cases, we didn't do it. Or right? Like, like look what we've done. Cause if we look at where we were, we look at New Year's often as relief. Phew, that year's over. Remember when 2020 ended? We're like, we'll never have to go through another year of pandemic again, right? It, we look at it like relief. And I just really wish that we could turn around. Because if I look at where the three of us were a year ago, how far we've come, the shifted community, how far it's come. I think that's really cool. So I love New Year's for that reason, not to mention the simple fact that it's a great excuse for people to get together. So thumbs up for New Year's. But you don't need New Year's to do it, I guess is kind of my point. Anyway, it's fun to watch. It's fun to have on TV. Niagara Falls New Year's, because, you know, like always fun with oh, concerts awesome. and all the lights and the fireworks. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people down there. It's always very hard to cold. Get around. Yeah, hard Terrible to get around. It's great to watch on TV, though. Yeah, the parking has always been suspect for that one. Um, but every year, CNN runs a broadcast celebrating New Year's from Times Square. They do a great job with it. Every year, the staff get drunk. Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen co-host the show. Um, they've had other hosts on that have gotten drunk and said stupid things. Uh, they're not there anymore. Last year, it was a very serious party, of course, with... You know, the relief from COVID and all those things. Here are some highlights, including shots, drunken admissions, and a reporter in drag dressed up as the Statue of Liberty. We're going to raise our first shot of tequila in honor of Betty White. Cheers. Cheers. There you go. There you go. Number one. It's full of pot, and it's sitting on my desk. Um, (laughs) Wait, you have a... You have a thing of pot sitting on your desk? I have many things of pot on my desk. <laughs> um, is that legal In now? February or March, just don't read right. the fine print. Wow. Me, you're tired, you're poor, you're huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. I lift my lamp beside your golden door. <laughs> Hold on. 
<laughs> Richard Quest, I, I have to believe you're the first CNN correspondent to ever do drag. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. no I'm only the true. first one oh, to really? do it publicly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know what she's been doing, but... Anderson wow. Cooper almost died on that day. He was laughing when so he hard. laughs, man. It's so funny. Okay, it's so good. Uh, now that CNN has decided to make a policy change, you know, because drugs on live on TV uh, rules are different in the states. By the way, while Anderson Cooper will still be able to get wasted with his co-hosts, correspondents and anchors who have maybe slurped down alcoholic concoctions on camera or off camera in the past will be required to stop drinking. So the hosts oh. are okay. The support people, not so much. CNN CEO Chairman uh, uh, Chris Light told. Um, Licked, probably. Sorry, told employees that he felt on-camera drinking eroded the credibility of CNN personnel and damaged the respectability <laughs> that they may enjoy among viewers. It's New Year's, bud. Loosen the bolts. You'll be okay there, yeah, Frank. Exactly. We will miss the drunk rants and ramblings of CNN anchor Don Lemon, who got his ear pierced uh, during the post twelve thirty a.m. block in two thousand sixteen during New Year's drunken. So, um, it's dangerous though. It's really dangerous. Oh, like, yeah, they're covering their butts, but it is so funny. It is so entertaining. Like everybody watches the Ryan Seacrest one. That's the big one. Yeah. And if you don't, if you want something more chaotic, you watch the CNN broadcast. Yeah, and it's hard. It's to kind of just. Though. That's what all news reporters are doing at the end of the year. Yeah. They're all venting the craziness that was the year, and they get to do it live on television, and that is mm -hmm. a truly spectacular gift. So uh, there you go. If you're going to watch New Year's on the TV, maybe just choose a Canadian network to watch. I don't know. There's some good ones out there. Global, for example, often has really great things. Just a little self-promotion. Why not? 877-399-9898. Um, albums that changed your life. Are you okay with Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast, as being one of those albums? Ooh, 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 ooh. You bet I am. It's Maiden's best album. It's uh, yeah. It's, heavy metal would not be heavy metal without that album, and it's still yeah. hearing it live is one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I would say one of the best album covers of all time. Oh, iconic, iconic! Like just so metal, and it's not even like that heavy or anything, but it's just wicked. It's yeah. so cool. Love it. All right. Are you okay with Rolex watches? Um, yes. Yeah, I don't think I could ever, even if I was a million bagazillionaire, I don't think I would ever spend $100,000 on a watch. I just, it's like a statement piece. I would rather just buy like a, I, I'm the kind of guy that would like go to a, if I was a millionaire, go to like a rich person party and wear mm -hmm. like a Batman cereal box watch. That's me. You know, so the watches for me, I'm I don't good think that's you at all. I think you've got this no. all backwards. I think Have you, you ever love seen me fashion. Wear a watch? And if you I mean, can, I don't like watches. How, what's the most expensive pair of shoes you've ever owned? Well, how much did I pay or how much are they worth? How much are they worth? Uh, $1,500. Okay. Now I want you in your mind, not publicly to compare that to your salary. Okay. Okay. Now think of a $10,000 Rolex compared to a millionaire. It's a fair point. It's a okay. Fair point. So um, there you go. <laughs> Trust me, if you could afford a big blingy Rolex, you would be wearing a big blingy Rolex, although I am a little more partial to Mont Blanc. 
I, they're fashion now. They're not um, timekeeping anymore. Like watches True. are fashion, and I, yep, I jewelry, jewelry, and I. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that uh, Ryan doesn't like watches because I think there's kind of a cutoff point between Gen X and Millennial where wa- the watch wearing goes way down because we've always had cell phones and stuff for the most part, so we don't care about time and we yeah. don't care about the jewelry fashion of the watch because there's all kinds of other bling we can put on i'll be curious though to see because you're still speaking of young generations once you get older that starts to change and i think that taste starts to change too so i'd be curious to see if we could rewind this one 10 years from now to see where those generations are i think time pieces are it's kind of like you know when mtv video killed the radio star absolutely did not happen i still think that the timepiece as a piece of jewelry proper is is going to last forever I think that 10 years from now, one of the tech companies will have something where the time is automatically projected into the bottom corner of our eye. So we always know what time it is, like a little Google Eye thing or something. I get that. (laughs) I think you could be right. Um, Although there are some nice watches that look like traditional watches, but they're actually smart watches too now. So they're doing those. Now, uh, here's a text that came in. says, bought a Rolex last year and bought an Omega last month for $6,500. Right. So, I mean, they're expensive. I, I mean, I have yeah. a Mont Blanc watch that I absolutely love. And so it's the kind of Mont Blanc watch when you wear it into the Mont Blanc store, they're all like, ooh, and they want to see it. But I'm also the guy who will pay for a Mont Blanc pen. Anyway, uh, Rolex is the epitome of fancy watches. Don't come cheap, too. They go anywhere from like $5,000 to $100,000, depending on what you get. The cheapest Rolex watch on the company's website right now is the Oyster Perpetual. Retails for about 5300 to 6150 but getting an expensive one is quite the achievement. A Memphis woman who is remaining anonymous is the proud owner of a Rolex she bought after her university graduation. Or rather, she was the owner. She's been trying to get her Rolex back after it was stolen in a home robbery. And the reason she can't get it back is a little bizarre. Police found it in a pawn shop, and that's where the problems began. They told me that they could not prove that the person who brought in my watch knew it was stolen so they couldn't go after that person and i was like well okay how do you how do you prove that you know and he said well you know there's this law that exists she says the law as explained to her protects people who may have things in their home for years and they have no idea they were stolen until they try to sell them they can't be arrested i was like well we know that's not the case because this watch was in my house april 22nd at 6 p.m when i left when i came back at 10:30, it was gone and i reported it stolen and i gave the serial number and we know for a fact this watch wasn't anywhere else she says police told her a pregnant woman and sold the watch to the pawn shop but said she got it from a man. This wasn't in this woman's possession. It was definitely mine and you know it's mine and you know it's stolen and you know it's that watch. And he said that he couldn't do anything that I should buy my watch back from the pawn shop. Ugh. W-R-E-G news. Uh, the Rolex remains at Keller's pawn shop. However, they said there is no Rolex for sale right now. The woman says detectives told her to get an attorney, but she doesn't think she needs one because she's a victim of a crime and law enforcement should solve it. That is the craziest rule ever, especially with a watch like that that they can trace. Right chain of custody, rightful owner. I don't know. It seems kind of easy. Like if, you, if, if they find my car and Ryan's driving my car with my registration and my VIN number, they can't say, well, Ryan didn't know it was stolen when he was driving it. 
which would be even worse because he doesn't have his driver's license. Um, but the, you know, the chain of custody says it's mine. It shouldn't have to be proven to be by the way a camera watched you steal it. Yeah. That's crazy. Heartbreaking. Right. All right. We've been talking about the albums that changed your life. Are you okay with Perry's suggestion from AM980 in London, Ontario? Hotel California being on that list. Mm, I got to be honest. I don't like the Eagles. However, I do enjoy this song and the guitar solo at the end is excellent. But it's kind of like... It's just it's such an impactful record that I think it's 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 fine to be on a list of like most important for sure. It's kind of no, no judgments. Like plants the seeds for that album adult rock sort of yacht sound. Yacht rock yacht sound. Rock. Yacht rock sound. Who doesn't love yacht rock? It's so good. All right. I love it. I'm with you. I feel you, Perry. 877-399-9898. What are the uh, the albums that changed your life? All right, we have time for one more here. Ryan, do you have a suggestion, by the way, of uh, these? Or, uh, can we do speeches uh, the, or we can do uh Do the, the meat one. Do the no, meat I want to leave the meat one. I'm skipping the meat one. You want to leave today. the meat one? Okay, then yeah. I would say do the speeches. Speeches. Are you okay with... Surprise, speeches. <laughs> uh, speeches are fun. Uh, I like, you know, a ri- well-written speech is good, but I'm like more of a bullet point kind of guy. Give me some bullet points and I'll follow those and I'll get you to the end. Uh, those are the best kinds of speeches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like uh, speeches is a lot like uh, the Grammys. They've lost their luster. No uh, they used to be super inspiring. You go back and look at like presidential speeches from Kennedy and even Reagan to say stay balanced here uh, ideologically um obama um and then trump came and i think right. since then speeches from world leaders have taken a huge dive and now kind of everyone's sort of taken a little bit of his playbook with the sort of free flowing thing mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think official speeches are no longer good it's a lost art yeah it's also a lost art in most offices because, you know, I've had bosses that would come in and, you know, you would come in and you would leave their speech feeling inspired. Even when they would say, you know, these are tough times with recessions and inflation, blah, blah, blah. But here's the plan. And if we stick to this plan, we're going to make it. And you'd be like, yeah, cutbacks, we can make it. And today it's like you get an email saying, hey, by the way, half the staff is getting let go on Wednesday. Right. You should feel grateful because you survived. <laughs> like I'm speaking more towards things like Twitter and stuff. Um, but that's kind of the way speeches are nowadays. They're more of a an ideological rant than they are an inspiration. So I would agree with you. Okay. Campaign speeches, though, on another hand, I mean, those are next level. Wow. They're not even speeches anymore. In the U.S., Georgia's Senate race is heading to a runoff in December. Candidates are going back on the campaign trail to win voters over. And the Republican candidate, Herschel Walker, made an interesting statement while speaking in McDonough, Georgia. The other night I was watching this movie. I was watching this movie called Fright Night, Sleep Night, or sometimes tonight. But it's about vampires. I don't know if you know vampires are cool people. Are they not? But I'm telling you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Do you know that? I never knew that. So I don't want to be a vampire anymore. I want to be a werewolf. You gotta have faith in this country. You gotta have faith in this in the elected official. And right now, that's the reason I'm here. What? 
I'm not sure that builds faith there, be, Mr. Walker. He wants to be a werewolf so he can kill vampires and lead faith. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, how about <laughs> let's not spend more money or let's spend money in the right places or let's care for the people, right? I don't know. That, to me, seems all right. Mr. Walker said, the character in Fright Night deployed a cross in holy water against a vampire with the expected effect. This, Walker said, showed that life don't even work unless you got faith. We got to have faith. Well, I will agree with that part. We do have to have a little bit of faith. Um, Walker then compared his opponent, uh, Raphael Warnick, to a vampire. He said, uh, Walker said the vampire in the film he watched was looking real good in his black suit. Whoa, that sounds like Senator Warnick, doesn't it? Give him points for connecting in a casual conversation. There you go. It's better than most these days. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.